Welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Just enjoying His presence together, amen. He's so good to have brought us into such a unique arrangement, the body of Christ. It's such a fantastic um, fraternity relationship, amen that we've been knitted together in Christ, and I'm forever grateful for the body of Christ. Uh, leaving tomorrow for Nigeria, I'm, I'm looking forward to being there, And because uh, for many years, so many of my wonderful friends here that are from Nigeria have been saying, Pastor, you need to go visit Nigeria one day, and, you know, and if, Niger- if you are a gauge uh, of what Nigeria is, is like, I'm so looking forward to being there, uh, part of the and see what the Lord is doing, and, and hopefully in some way be an encouragement to the many thousands of pastors and, and uh, leaders that will be at these, these two conferences in Lagos and Abuja. But before I do that, because it's going to slip from my mind, I do, it's very rare that I say these things from the pulpit because, you know, every week we'd be inundated. But we have someone very, very special here that heads up our food bank and has been ministering here for a number of years, turned a big birthday, and I do want to say from the very top here, uh, I, I put a, I, I put a, uh, he, he turned 50, he's, he's, uh, Pastor, Brother Hampus here, uh, and uh, I just want to say, um, I told you already, welcome to the danger zone, okay, he turned 50, but we want to wish you, wish you a wonderful, wonderful birthday, Hamp, and uh, thank you for all the tremendous love and support that you bring to all of our lives, uh, and you, you are a wonderful friend, a man of God, and I loved the way you yeah, love the, the the poor and the, the broken, and um, and you deal with them because you yourself you came from a lot of brokenness and you know what it is uh, to have help in time of need. So praise God uh, you know, when much has been forgiven, uh, those who have been forgiven much love much, and we thank God for you. So happy birthday, brother! God bless you. Uh, it's actually lovely to see Sister Anne Annabel back because Anne was in Nigeria just the last few weeks. I saw it online, and Anna, you know, has been part of this church from year dot, so a wonderful representation of what a Nigerian Christian woman is. She set up her own uh, charity called Acts of Radical Kindness, ARC, and goes, raises support to her charity, goes back to Nigeria, and goes to these kind of more outer areas of Nigeria where there's a lot of uh, poverty, and, um, you know, there's those medical missions that raises money to, to, uh, to pay the medical bills for the poor that can't have life-changing um, operations done. So I know you're over there and you've done some good for the Lord. The Lord bless you. Thank you for your work, for the, for the gospel. Praise God. And uh, you know, some of you, you, you may not realize that Africa, uh, Nigeria is 230 million people. It is the largest economy in Africa, 450 billion a year. The largest Christian church in Africa is in Nigeria. And if, if Nigeria continues to embrace um, education, Christianity, first of all, then the distilling of Christianity is quality education. That's what happened throughout Europe. Europe embraced the gospel about a thousand years before Africa did. And as a result of that, the, the backwardness of Europe through the distilling of the gospel rose it up to be an economic powerhouse, an educational powerhouse, uh, done a lot of great, uh, you know, around the world, 
And obviously when you look at Europe today, it's turning its back upon the gospel and we are regressing. We're going back to pagan roots and as a result, our economics are going to collapse, our societies are going to fall apart. But, but Africa has been embracing the gospel and Nigeria you know, is, is one of those economies, if it continues and to build the middle class, they reckon by 2039, and that's not a long way away, friends, it'll be in the top 10 economies of the world. There's one for you. And so it's a very important time to be going there with this invitation because no civilization ever failed until the church failed. And God's way is the church. And it, you know, when it talks about the church, as the head goes, so does the body. So the pastors are vital that the message is right. If the, the message leans in the wrong direction, we, even with the best of intention, if it leans in the wrong direction, it's going to lead that church into, into, in, into the bog. It's going to, it's going to, it's going to get it stuck. And uh, Nigeria will not go where God would want it to go. It'll, it'll go backwards. We, so what we want and pray is that there'll be men and women of God preaching the right message, getting back onto the gospel, as opposed to maybe genealogies and arguments and side issues, things that don't bring any life, but back to the preaching of the gospel. As Paul said, I know nothing other than Christ Jesus and him crucified. So to that level, we're, to that end, we are going to support and encourage the many, many pastors um, and, and leaders that are going to be there, that God will do a, a tremendous work of purification in their lives and in their ministry, and that they will lead what is already a strong church to be a global church, to be a church. Because I'm telling you, watch countries like Nigeria, if they keep traveling with the Lord on the right message, they will impact the, the four ends of the world, the quarters of this world will be impacted by Nigerian men and women. And that would be a wonderful thing to see. Can you say amen, Nigerians? That's our heart today. Our heart is to do good and to love and to bring the gospel in a fresh way to these wonderful regions of the world. If you have a Bible, turn with me to Second Chronicles. And well done, David. You caught me the first time. Well done. Second Chronicles chapter 20. Again, if you're visiting, I'm so delighted you're here. Uh, uh, I always turn around to kind of clap people who are visiting, and I know how awkward it is sometimes to stand, but thank you for standing, thank you for showing yourself. You're among a good church here with good people, and if God brings you here permanently, you'll find some great friends in ministry here to be part of and to enjoy, and uh, do please stay on at the end of the service, um, introduce yourself to have some tea and coffees. We are doing an appreciation uh, meal after service for our, our cafe staff that run the, the, the hospitality downstairs, so that's going to be downstairs and that's zoned off purely for them this morning so you might just uh, uh, in the new cafe area praise God uh, after this verse one after this the armies of the Moabites the Ammonites and some of the Mennonites declared war on Jehoshaphat messengers came and told Jehoshaphat that a vast army from Eden is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea they are already at Hazan Tamar Jehoshaphat was terrified by the news and begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. Go down to verse 13. As all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives and their children, the spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Jehaziel son of Zechariah, son of Benaniah, son of Jeel, son of Mattiah, a Levite, who was a descendant of Asaph. He said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, listen. 
King Jehoshaphat, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged by his mighty army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow march out against them and you will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz. At the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeril. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against him tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. What a prophecy. Can I just stop there? What a prophecy. Uh, the Spirit of the Lord coming upon one man. Oh God, you would raise up a man or a woman here that would hear such words from heaven. Not just words for this church, but words for nations. Amen. Amen. That should be our prayer. That should be our cry. Oh God, let's, let there be a living oracle again. Let there be a man or a woman amongst us that would push that bit further and hear a word from heaven. Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground. And all of the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. Hallelujah. Worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites from the clans of Kota and Korah stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. Early the next morning, the army of Judah went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, Listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets and you will succeed. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. And this is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord for his faithfulness and his love endures forever. At the very moment they began to sing and give praise to the Lord, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seirah to start fighting among themselves. The armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and they killed every one of them. And after they had destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. So when the army of Judah arrived and looked at the looking point and the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. And King Jehoshaphat and his men went to gather the plunder. They found vast amounts of equipment, clothing, other valuables, more than they could carry. There was so much plunder that it took them three days just to collect it all. On the fourth day, they, began, they gathered in the Valley of Blessings, which got its name that day because the Lord praised and thanked because the people praise and thank the Lord there, it is still called the Valley of Blessings today. Praise God. I have been uh, before the Lord all week looking for words from, for Nigeria, waiting and waiting. And, and uh, this morning, uh, the early hours of this morning, the Lord just gave me the scripture. And I, I gave it the title, It's Time to Sing a New Song. Again. Again. The Sabbath said, you have put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise even to God. And as we were worshiping, I was considering how many of us are 
We say we're singing the new song, but we're not. We're singing a different song in our head. You know, you can sing, and you can sing. You can be standing here this morning and reading the, singing the words on a screen and enjoying the music, but inside in your head is a different song. It's more like a country western song. My wife, she left me. My kids disown me. My dog doesn't know me. I never, never work again. My body is aching. I'm getting old. My bank balance is not great. My mortgage is looking in jeopardy. I had a fallout with my sister. I had a fallout with my brother. And all of a sudden, there's a different song playing in your mind. And you can sing all the songs designed in your mind be so far away, friends. But I believe that God this morning is not a long message because I believe we need to have a time at the altar again today. Because somewhere along that journey, many of us have lost our true song. We've lost that melody. The Bible talks about singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart unto the Lord. Some here today, you're great singers, but you've lost your true melody. The Bible talks about losing your first love. That passion, the passion for the things of God, that when you came into the presence of God, it, it just overflowed. Like the psalmist said, my heart overflows with a godly theme. That I will address my verses to the king. Why? Because it came from a deep sense of faith and confidence in the Lord. It's amazing when we let our lives be touched by God in a fresh way, how we he raises us up and how, you know, how he does miracles. You know, when we worship, when we truly worship, not when we sing, but when we truly worship, when we truly sing the new songs of Zion, miracles happen. Things begin to change. And of course, we know this story. This is part of Judah's historical history under King Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat honored the Lord. And we, we saw how God honored him. The Bible says, I will honor those who honor me. You know, there is, nobody here is exempt, and nobody here is exempt from trauma or trouble or trial or attack. That's just not the way life is. I spoke with someone during the weekend. This person was very disturbed. And, and, and truth be told, they have a lot of reason to be disturbed. There's a lot of things going on in their lives. You can't belittle any one of them. They're enormous family issues, financial issues, delinquency issues, health issues, all in the one spot. And I'm looking at this person and all their brokenness. And what do you tell them? I have no answers. I can't wave a wand. I can't fix them. I can empathize. I can sympathize. I can put my hand in them. But what do you tell them? I, I tell them, I know, what to, I know what to tell them, but I have the confidence is another thing. In the midst of a battle, you raise a hallelujah. But friends, I want to tell you because there comes times when there's nothing left but your voice. You've got no power in your body. You've got no utility of your thinking. The armies are swelling around you. Jehoshaphat was terrified. Just as this, man, this person I was speaking to was terrified at the prospects of another day in his life. Jehoshaphat was terrified. These armies were going to come and they were going to lay waste to Jerusalem. He knew the ramifications. He knew that the, the women would be raped. The children would be killed. He knew what they were like. He, he knew the savagery of these armies. They had a reputation. He knew everything was at stake, his own family, his own wives, his own children, his grandchildren. He knew the ramifications of these attacks. He saw the clouds gathering. And he was terrified. And friends, we're not idiots. When we see things going on around us, it should cause us a level of concern, friends. 
But it should also cause us to go deeper than that. Amen. Because we have a source that's in God this morning. And I think for some of us, we need to rediscover that. And in the midst of that trial, God gives this incredible prophetic word to this, this man. He just steps out of nowhere. He addresses the entire nation. And he tells them, this is what you're going to do. You're not even going to have to physically fight. You're not going to be able to change the mind of that person. You're not going to be able to change the direction of those circumstances. You're not going to be able to wave a magic wand and get finances out of nothing. You're not going to be able to turn the heart of an estranged brother or sister back to you or the Lord. You have no such power. Your arguments at the end of the day fall to the ground. They're, they're inept. There is no ability there. And so the prospects of that being the end of the story is an appalling prospect, but it's not the end of the story because there's a God who's in heaven. And I need you to get that into your soul today, friends. Nothing has changed with him. He's the same yesterday and today and forever, friends. And his love and faithfulness and kindness never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. We need to remind ourselves Jehoshaphat could have got caught in the headlights of what was coming down the road, but thanks be to God, there was a word that came true from a musician of all sorts, from ASAP, a, a, a romantic, you could call him, a songwriter. Some might dismiss it and say, <clears throat> uh, what do you know about doctrine? What do you know about the battle we're facing? But I want to tell you, he, he spoke from a deep well, friends. He spoke because he knew in the midst of a battle, I write another poem about God's goodness. I sing another song about the goodness of God. I begin to recall his mercies, his steadfast love and kindness. And so when the enemy was coming in at an overwhelming level, the instruction was simple. And it is always simple because I want to tell you, when you distill all this life down, this life tells you one thing. You have no power in yourself, friends. You have no power to change circumstances around you. We can have a, the appearance of power. We can have the appearance of being something when we're really not. At the end of the day, friends, all flesh is like the grass of the field. The flowers fade. The, last, the grass withers and the flowers fade. But the word of the Lord abides forever. Thanks be to God that God was exactly where he always was. In his throne in heaven, dwelling in inapproachable light. And all of a sudden, the heart of this king is brought to a living reality. Just like Esther when she went in before the king. If I die, I die. But I die singing and I die enjoying the presence of God and declaring the praises of him who called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. There's moments in your Christian experience, friends, where you rise above all the circumstances around you, of all the clouds and the storm clouds that are gathering around you. And you simply come and you begin to raise a hallelujah, which means praise the Lord. Hallelujah! Whatever is facing you today, you need to start to sing the new song from the new creation. Hallelujah! The flesh mats for nothing, friends. Your own thinking only brings you deeper into the calamity. Your own thinking only makes you grayer. That's all it does. Your own thinking only causes you to stay awake longer. Your own thinking just causes your kidneys and your liver and your heart all to start failing. My heart and my flesh fail, but God is the strength of my life and my portion forever. Amen. And something came in, a word from the Lord came in. 
And I believe it's an eternal word. I believe this is one of those prophetic words that is absolutely so new covenant. It's so prophetic of a now but a future event for the church of today, of the 21st century, to be able to embrace when the storm clouds are gathering, when legal systems are becoming despotic, when we will see the rule of law turn against what's good and promote what's evil, the rule of law. When lawlessness, as the scripture has said, will be unleashed upon the world, the spirit of lawlessness, we read it in the book of Revelation, the man of sin, the man of lawlessness, antinomianism, the reversal of all things that is righteous and good and holy, and the lifting and exalting up of something that is wicked. You see it from everything, from the way we dealt with marriage and gender and abortion, where all of a sudden the killing and the disfigurement of children is something now that is hailed and hallowed as some sort of virtuous thing. Friends, never! Now, don't go quiet on me. You didn't join the politically correct church here. We just joined the church that preached the word of God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And in the midst of all those things, what can the church do? Well, we could go up in Partridge Street and placard. We could try to do like Let's Stop Oil do. Tie our kids to the pavements and string them across the road and say, we want Christian values again. We can raid against governments. No, friends, that's not what we do. That's not what we do. The battle belongs to the Lord. We raise a hallelujah. I said, we raise a praise the Lord. Just like the apostle Paul did and the apostle Peter did when Nero brought down his savagery upon the first church and lit, took the children of Christian men and women and, and, and lit them as candles in his gardens. The perversion of his kingdom, his perverted behavior, his, his rabid immorality, you know, and, and his violence that went out against the church. And what did they do, friends? They sang praises. They lifted up holy hands to the Lord because the battle belongs to the Lord. Hallelujah. I said the battle belongs to the Lord. If you and I die because we simply have put our confidence in the Lord and we should not come out what appears to be the victorious side, let me tell you, friends, we are living by a higher standard. One with God is always the majority. Amen. One with the winner man makes you the winner man. Amen. Well, I want to tell you, friends, if you're on the Lord's side, not that he's on your side, but you're on his side, you stand for him regardless of the circumstances. You say, I can do nothing. I can say no more other than declare my faith that God is good all the time. Let me tell you, men and women that live like that begin to have a song again, a hero's song, a song that begins to, begins to even, even begins to shake the very foundations of where you are, something that begins to drive back the darkness. Isaiah 30, 29 says, you will have a song in the night. Sweet are the songs in the night. I think I told you the story years ago, but I remember when I, when I was a young man, serving my time as, a, as an electrician, I, I worked in a, a remote, part, remote part of North Cork, and I'd have to get a, I'd have to get a, a train to a place called, a, not Cantork, I can't remember the name, Bantir. And I would have to walk two mile, about two miles to my accommodation, no street lighting, these narrow 
country roads, winding country roads with the hedges. You can only touch both sides of the hedges as you walk, pitch, pitch dark. Those of you who lived in the country understand that sometimes when you leave, you know when you leave your home and there's no street lighting, you can't even see your hand in front of your face. And I remember many times with my guitar and my rucksack in my back and I'm walking those streets and I'm holding the guitar out like this because I think if someone's there with a thumb, some days I'll feel it, but I couldn't even see. And uh, even though I was a big guy, all of a sudden I could start to feel a little bit of, I hear something, a rustle, and it's a rat or it's a badger. I heard all these stories that a badger come out and lock onto your leg and he won't let go of your leg until he bears the bone break. And all these things are racing in my mind and I'm walking and it's getting, it's dark and dark. I turn behind, it's dark. I turn in front, it's dark. I just have to keep going in the midst of the darkness. But I remember one time, and as I'm walking, walking, it feels like forever before I eventually get on anything that even resembles a reasonable sized road with cars going on it. And I remember walking, and I remember in the distance hearing and singing. I heard the singing. And as I heard it, I just knew I'm near civilization. It was melodious. And it happened to be a family, a, a rural family, and they were obviously into Irish music because they were playing some jigs and reels and you could hear the kids singing in the house. It was the sweetest music. It, it, was, like, it was like the song in the night. How it, how it just brings hope. How it lifts the spirit and lifts the heart. And I remember thinking, you know, sweet are the songs in the night. Whether it's someone else singing them or you singing them. But when you lift up that voice in the midst of such darkness, they become sweet to God. As you begin walking that path and you lift your voice to the Lord, begin to worship. That becomes a sweet aroma to the Lord. You will have a song in the night. I want to tell you, Christian, if you're in the night right now, you, don't, you may not realize it, but there's a song in you. And this is what we have to come to today. We can't leave this house just knowing it's there. We have to find that voice before we leave here. That's the exercise this morning. The exercise this morning is not just to know that there's a song within you because he's put a hymn of praise, the Bible says, into your heart. It's, it's exercising it. It's bringing it out. It's singing in a different way than when you arrived this morning. It's singing from a fuller heart. It's singing from a regardless of what happens, no matter what befalls me, no matter what comes around the corner. He's worthy. He's my Savior. He's my rock. He is my song in the night. He is my exceedingly great reward. Revelation, I, I love Revelation 5. <laughs> Revelation is not a book we always go to as preachers. It's so cryptic. But Revelation 5, I've always preached on, on this. The, the, and, and, and when John saw this scroll, and it was bound with seven seals, and he wept because there was nobody in heaven that could open the scroll. But then the lion of the tribe of Judah, he was able to open, take the scroll and break the seals on it. I love it because it's descriptive of our life. Our life is like a, a scroll that is bound by so many sins, and yet Christ is able to unbind it. And it says they sang a new song unto the Lord. Well, I want to tell you, Christian, you know and I know when we know the Lord, we know that the, binds that were, the bonds that were on our life, the bindings that the sin and our own flesh and the enemy had placed upon us from the time we were conceived in our mother's womb, we thank God this morning that he is broken every seal over our lives. Amen. Thank God he has opened the scroll. He has opened your life. He has made you born again in the Spirit of God. And as a consequence, we can sing a new song. Hallelujah. A, a new song, not an old song. An old song bringing on old memory lane of all old foolishness and foolish thoughts, but a song, a hymn of praise to God. Amen. Judges, it talks about Deborah, awake, awake, and sing your song. 
The Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. This is my God and I will praise him. My father's God. I love this because I said this to my son. My father's God and I will exalt him. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. This is my God and I will praise him. My father's God. Now see, I began to think about that because my father was a, he was a worshiper. He, he loved to write. He loved to write songs. And, you know, he was, he, was, he was prolific. He could just write incredible truths, but unknown. And, you know, and he, 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 the, the gifting God gave him, he would do with all his might. He'd sing with all his ability. He would encourage others to do the same. He was a worshiper. And I was thinking, thank God, that's my, I found too, the God of my father. And I will exalt him. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. Isaiah 12, 2 says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He has also become my salvation. Paul exhorts us in Ephesians 5 and 19. He says, Speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart unto the Lord. And as they began to march out, you can imagine the faith that was needed to sing those songs of Zion. You have this massive array of three armies together and they are not known for their humanitarian work, let me tell you. These are barbarous, butcherous people. There is no League of Nations, United Nations. There is no UN international law. There is no international peace for it. It is law of the jungle. They are going to come to kill, kill to steal, and to destroy. But I want to tell you, I have come that they would have life and have it abundantly. And it's people of all ages that put their trust in God will never be put ashamed. And as they march out and they put the singers out front, the worshipers, those who have that intimacy in worship, begin to lead them and begin to lift the voices of the people. When they came upon the site where the armies were meant to meet in battle, they found how God had laid waste to the powers of darkness. And I want to tell you, friends, as you begin to truly sing the songs of Zion, as you begin to truly lift up your voice to the Lord, there will become serendipitous moments where an awareness comes over you of how complete the victory Calvary is. There's this awareness comes over you, how secure I really am, amen. There's this awareness comes into your spirit that everything's going to be okay. I don't know how it's going to be okay, but I know it's going to be okay. There's a confidence that comes upon the people of God. I want to tell you, find your voice again. I said, find your voice. Let it come from that deep place. Remember, cause to look back again from the rock that you were cut from and from the, the mire that you were taken out of and begin to exalt the Lord and let us praise his name together, as the psalmist said. Let's really begin to uh, move away. We had a beautiful song we used to sing years ago. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his glorious face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace, and singing the glories of God, friends, begins to exalt. It unites the tremendous artistic and, 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 and uh, creative side that God has put into us. It unites it with the soul, puts it on the right message of Christ. And all of a sudden, this creative beauty of worship does something so powerful in the heavenlies. Do you know that's still the same today? Do you know that's exactly the way God, that God uses God? says, my dove 
which is you and I, which are the cleft of the rock, which is we are in Christ, in the secret place of Christ. Let me see your countenance. Let me hear your voice, for sweet is your voice. As we begin to raise our voice to heaven, as we begin to sing the songs of Zion, something happens, and God, he said, you will not have to even fight. Stop fighting. Stop fighting. There comes a time where you say, I can't. There's nothing I can do here. But I'm going to continue to worship him. I'm going to worship the Lord with all of my heart. I don't know what will face me when we say amen here at Cork Church and I walk out these doors. I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring me. I have no answers, but I will still worship him. I think when Martin Luther was on his way to the Diet of Worms, when he was going to debate the Roman system and give an account for his theses, and they said to him, you know, they, they will burn you at the stake. He says, they can light a fire from, from Wittenberg to Worms, he says, and they can throw me in it and I'll still be praising him who called me out of darkness into his glorious light. He didn't know what he was facing, didn't know what tomorrow was, but he knew who he loved. Do you know who you love today? Maybe you've forgotten him. Maybe somewhere along your journey as a Christian that it's become all a little technical, a little bit religious. It's become a little bit metric by, you know, just guilt-driven rather than love-driven. I know what that is. I've been guilt-driven many times as a minister and as a Christian. You know, just driven to places where, you know, all of the, the love, the song wasn't there. I sang songs here from the front as a pastor. And my, it's like, like the scripture says, I, those people worship me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Is there any other honest man or woman here this morning who says, somehow I should sing a lot of songs today, but my heart is so detached from who I was singing about that you need to come back to a place where, where God touches you again, where all of a sudden you find your voice. Your voice is beautiful to God. You know, my daughter-in-law won't mind me sharing this, but my daughter-in-law, Chelsea, you know, Jordan is a pretty handy singer. He's a songwriter. Chelsea hasn't got a note in her head. And they come over Christmas time. I'm her father and I love her. She's absolutely one of the most phenomenal people you'll ever get to meet. And I'm upstairs in bed. They're up early and I hear them downstairs. And she's singing away. All out of tune. Perfectly out of tune. And I'm upset, and I'm just smiling in the bed. I can hear her. And I said, how sweet is that? This joyful heart, just singing with all the, ooh. And then she stops singing. She starts to whistle. Well, that's a, that's a dying art form. I mean, I grew up with whistlers. I, I know, I'm a whistler. You know, my uncle Paddy Moore was a great whistler. Everyone, he was like the whistling gypsy. Everywhere, was like, like a canary whistling. And I, that's my daughter. She's a whistler. Perfectly out of tune. <laughs> but it was beautiful. There was something of joy on her. And Jordan is singing away, he's perfectly in tune. She's perfectly out of tune. And it's like, I said, that yin and yang, or what is it called? But it, didn't, it was a joyful noise. It came from the heart. I, I, I was in bed saying, that's a loved woman. And you can hear it from the way she sings. That's a loved man. And you can hear it from his voice. And you need to know you're loved today. Because when you know you're loved, you're not trying to be perfect in your singing. You just want to sing to him because he, lo- he, he, he wants to hear your voice. And you bring him such joy. Thinking of the Apostle Paul and Silas. We know the story, Acts 15. And, you know, they've been beaten. Uh, they've been beaten without any cause. No, that's a severe beating. They're thrown into the deepest part of a prison with 
and they're locked in stocks and, and, and they're kept, they're probably bent like this, legs in and arms in, you know, and they're there and they're bleeding and they're weakened. They could have moaned, they could have raised a moan to heaven for sure. Oh God, we're on our way doing your work. You know, I was doing this for the Lord and standing for the Lord and all of a sudden here I am, back torn open in the darkest part of the prison, in the deepest belly, surrounded by stinking squalor and every pervert and every evil person here around me. But the Bible says around the midnight hour, they began to lift up a hallelujah. They began to find their singing voice. I pray this morning you find your singing voice. I pray you do. Whatever that song is that you love to sing, or whatever that melody in your heart to the Lord, I hope you find it this morning because I tell you, friends, there comes this lifting up out of wherever you are. The Bible says he lifts us up into heavenly places. Ephesians chapter 2 seats us at the right hand, right with Christ. And you need to go there again. You need to experience it this morning before you leave. Paul and Silas began to, to sing. Raise a hymn to the Lord. It must have been a rock song because it shook the place. Something in that, in, that, in that singing, something in that voice, something in that cry, they began to worship him. Now I know, friends, this morning, for some of you to worship like that is in, in, in the midst of the pain that you're going through. It's going to be the sweetest song in the night to God. Because you're saying, God, I've never experienced such anguish, such separation, such pain, such attack against myself, hostility, and maybe I deserve it. Maybe you do. Maybe you bought it on your head. Maybe you haven't. Maybe it's just unjustified. It doesn't matter. The way through is the same. Is that God, you're still worthy of praise. You sent your only begotten Son. Jesus, you died for me. While I was blaspheming your name, when I was far from you, and I didn't care. All I wanted was to fill my own senses with my own sin and perversion. And you died for me. And you, you came and befriended me. And they began to sing. And at the midnight hour, something happened. The Holy Spirit began to move building was shook the chains fell off salvation visited that dark dark place and that's what god wants to do with you and with me he wants to prove himself great i'm going to ask you to stand this morning as we're going to worship the lord just for a short time today i'm going to invite you to come to an altar have you lost your song christian are you singing all the old songs of woe on how bad my life is and how bad my i'm being treated I want to ask you this morning to come back to a place and say, God, I want intimacy with you. To come to that place this morning where you say, Lord, I want to find that true song. I don't want to just be singing songs. I want it to come from a well of gratitude and love. Even out of brokenness, they're the greatest songs, friends. They're the most beautiful songs. Even in the natural, men and women that write songs out of brokenness, out of broken experiences, touch our hearts. Out of tragedies, broken love, betrayals. They're the ones that always move us. Honest songs to the Lord. But you know, if there's ever been a time in your Christian life that you have loved the Lord more than what you love Him now, then you need to come to this altar. If there's ever been a time in your Christian life where you sang from a well that was so deep and so abundant, that was so just, it just, it, it just as, as Jesus said it, in, in, in John's gospel, that out of your inmost beam would flow rivers, that those rivers used to flow. They'd flow in conversation to and about him and worship to him. But now somehow that is dried up in your life and you're in a dark place. The armies are around you. You are in a prison like Paul. 
I want to invite you to come this morning because I believe God, in the simplicity of this word, a very simple word, friends, but I believe God wants to restore His joy to you. And I believe that God wants to restore a confidence in you again. And He wants you to raise your voice and experience Him in a fresh and living way so that out of your innermost being will flow songs. You'll write songs. You'll write poetry again. You'll write about Him. You'll sing about Him. Nobody's going to put you down for your out of tune voice. You'll be on the bus, your headphones on, worship on, and you'll be tapping on the shoulder. You're singing too loud. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Why? Because it's coming from somewhere deep. That's what the Lord wants to do, friends. You can't ever defeat that sort of a person. You're undefeatable. You've died to your own plans. You've died to what you think should be your lot. And it's like the hymn writer says, whatever my lot that was taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Judah marched out and they began to sing and began to worship. Maybe, and I'm not promising you today, but I promise you at some stage there will be the victory. But maybe after we worship one last time and truly at an altar this morning, that God will go ahead of you and, and slay the enemy. Maybe he'll leave them there for a while longer because he's working something in you and you're still going to worship. Amen. I invite you to come even now. We're going to pray. We're going to lay hands. We're going to pray. We're going to worship together. If that's you this morning, say, oh, my song has been so muted. I've been put on hold. My song has been muted by God. I want to sing. I want to worship. I want to lift up holy hands. You let nobody hold you back from the blessing of God. Let nobody hold you back from a breakthrough this morning. I'm telling you, don't be robbed another day of singing to the Lord. Amen psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and making melody in your heart come up this morning and lay before the lord as we worship come on just where you are today let god bless you just leave your seat don't worry about the others god wants to do something this is an overture from god say i'm the enemies there is all over you but i want you to raise a hallelujah i want you to praise me in the middle of the storm i want you to die to your own plans I want you to come and worship me. I want to hear your voice. Come on, you keep coming as we're going to pray in a few moments. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Don't let the enemy hold you back. Don't let your pride hold you back. You want your miracle? I want to tell you, you start singing your way there. You want your miracle? You start to worship your way there. Worship you, Jesus. Worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I want to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. While the altar's open, come up this morning. Lay your burdens here. Leave touch this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Every head. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website. It's www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time.